chapter twenty one of nature and art this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org nature and art by elizabeth inchbald chapter twenty one old john and hannah primrose a prudent hardy couple who by many years of peculiar labour and peculiar abstinence were the least poor of all the neighbouring cottagers had an only child who has been named before called agnes and this cottage girl was reckoned in spite of the beauty of the elder miss wymers by far the prettiest female in the village reader of superior rank if the passions which rage in the bosom of the inferior class of humankind are beneath your sympathy throw aside this little history for rebecca rymer and agnes primrose are its heroines but you unprejudiced reader whose liberal observations are not confined to stations but who consider all mankind alike deserving your investigation who believe that there exists in some knowledge without the advantage of instruction refinement of sentiment independent of elegant society honourable pride of heart without dignity of blood and genius destitute of art to render it conspicuous you will perhaps venture to read on in hopes that the remainder of this story may deserve your attention just as the wild herb of the forest equally with the cultivated plant in the garden claims the attention of the botanist young william saw in young agnes even more beauty than was beheld by others and on those days when he felt no inclination to ride to shoot or to hunt he would contrive by some secret device the means to meet with her alone and give her tokens if not of his love at least of his admiration of her beauty and of the pleasure he enjoyed in her company agnes listened with a kind of delirious enchantment to all her elevated an eloquent admirer uttered and in return for his praises of her charms and his equivocal replies in respect to his designs towards her she gave to him her most undisguised thoughts and her whole enraptured heart this harmless intercourse as she believed it had not lasted many weeks before she loved him she even confessed she did every time that any unwonted mark of attention from him struck with unexpected force her infatuated senses it has been said by a celebrated writer upon the affection subsisting between the two sexes that there are many persons who if they had never heard of the passion of love would never have felt it might it not with equal truth be added that there are many more who having heard of it and believing most firmly that they feel it are nevertheless mistaken neither of these cases was the lot of agnes she experienced the sentiment before she ever heard it named in the sense with which it had possessed her joined with numerous other sentiments for genuine love however rated as the chief passion of the human heart is but a poor dependent a retainer upon other passions admiration gratitude respect esteem pride in the object divest the boasted sensation of these and it is not more than the impression of a twelvemonth by courtesy of vulgar error termed love 
agnes was formed by the rarest structure of the human frame and destined by the tenderest thrillings of the human soul to inspire and to experience real love but her nice taste her delicate thoughts were so refined beyond the sphere of her own station in society that nature would have produced this prodigy of attraction in vain had not one of superior education and manners assailed her affections and had she been accustomed to the conversation of men in william's rank of life she had perhaps treated william's addresses with indifference but in comparing him with her familiar acquaintance he was a miracle his unremitting attention seemed the condescension of an elevated being to whom she looked up with reverence with admiration with awe with pride with sense of obligation and all those various passions which constitute true and never to be eradicated love but in vain she felt and even avowed with her lips what every look every gesture had long denoted william with discontent sometimes with anger upbraided her for her false professions and vowed that while one tender proof which he fervently besought was wanting she did but aggravate his misery by less endearments agnes had been taught the full estimation of female virtue and if her nature could have detested any one creature in a state of wretchedness it would have been the woman who had lost her honour yet for william what would not agnes forfeit the dignity the peace the serenity the innocence of her own mind love soon encouraged her to fancy she could easily forego and this same overpowering influence at times so forcibly possessed her that she even felt a momentary transport in the contemplation of so precious a sacrifice to him but then she loved her parents and their happiness she could not prevail with herself to barter even for his she wished he would demand some other pledge of her attachment to him for there was none but this her ruin in no other shape that she would deny at his request while thus she deliberated she prepared for her fall bred up with strict observance both of his moral and religious character william did not dare to tell an unequivocal lie even to his inferiors he never promised agnes he would marry her nay even he paid so much respect to the forms of truth that no sooner was it evident that he had obtained her heart her whole soul entire so that loss of innocence would be less terrifying than separation from him no sooner did he perceive this than he candidly told her he could never make her his wife at the same time he lamented the difference of their births and the duty he owed his parents hopes in terms so pathetic to her partial ear that she thought him a greater object of compassion in his attachment even than herself and was now urged by pity to remove the cause of his complainings one evening henry accidentally passed the lonely spot where william and she constantly met he observed his cousin's impassioned eye and her affectionate yet fearful glance william he saw took delight in the agitation of mind in the strong apprehension mixed with the love of agnes this convinced henry that either he or himself was not in love 
for his heart told him he would not have beheld such emotions of tenderness mingled with such marks of sorrow upon the countenance of rebecca for the wealth of the universe the first time he was alone with william after this he mentioned his observation on agnes's apparent affliction and asked why her grief was the result of their stolen meetings because replied william her professions are unlimited while her manners are reserved and i accuse her of loving me with unkind moderation while i love her to distraction you design to marry her then how can you degrade me by the supposition would it degrade you more to marry her than to make her your companion to talk with her for hours in preference to all other company to wish to be endeared to her by still closer ties but all this is not raising her to the rank of my wife it is still raising her to that rank for which wives alone were allotted you talk wildly i tell you i love her but not enough i hope to marry her but too much i hope to undo her that must be her own free choice i make use of no unwarrantable methods what are the warrantable ones i mean i have made her no false promises offered no pretended settlement vowed no eternal constancy but you have told her you love her and from that confession has she not reason to expect every protection which even promises could secure i cannot answer for her expectations but i know if she should make me as happy as i ask and i should then forsake her i shall not break my word still she will be deceived for you will falsify your looks do you think she depends on my looks i have read in some book looks are the lover's sole dependence i have no objection to her interpreting mine in her favour but then for the consequences she will have herself and only herself to blame oh heaven what makes you exclaim so vehemently a forcible idea of the bitterness of that calamity which inflicts self-reproach oh rather deceive her leave her the consolation to reproach you rather than herself my honour will not suffer me exert your honour and never see her more i cannot live without her then live with her by the laws of your country and make her and yourself both happy am i to make my father and my mother miserable they will disown me for such a step your mother perhaps might be offended but your father could not remember the sermon he preached but last sunday upon the shortness of this life contempt of all riches and worldly honours imbalanced with a quiet conscience and the assurance he gave us that the greatest happiness enjoyed upon earth was to be found under a humble roof with heaven in prospect my father is a very good man said william and yet instead of being satisfied with a humble roof he looks impatiently forward to a bishop's palace 
he is so very good then said henry that perhaps seeing the dangers to which men in exalted stations are exposed he has such extreme philanthropy and so little self-love he would rather that himself should brave those perils incidental to wealth and grandeur than any other person you are not yet civilized said william and to argue with you is but to instruct without gaining instruction i know sir replied henry that you are studying the law most assiduously and indulge flattering hopes of rising to eminence in your profession but let me hint to you that though you may be perfect in the knowledge how to administer the commandments of men unless you keep in view the precepts of god your judgment like mine will be fallible End of chapter twenty one